Hey everybody, welcome to Belief Be, where we talk about faith, things of importance that matter uh, with people who matter. And this is going to be a fun one because I'm. This is, this is actually the first of what I think will be three episodes about the Mission of Healing trip that traveled um, to El Salvador February 11th to the 18th, 2023. And the way we thought we would structure these conversations is through time of day. And so today we're we're focusing on the morning of a typical day on the Mission of Healing trip. And I'm joined by uh, four wonderful guests. I really appreciate them spending some time with us. Uh, so Cindy Dostel, Eric Ravenkamp, Sally Thomas, and Megan Micklejohn are all here. And those might just be names to you, but you're going to get to know each of them a little bit as we chat together this evening. So to each of the four of you, thank you so much. Welcome, and I'm glad you're here. And Sally, I'm going to go right to you. Um, maybe what you can do is you're a nurse by by professional training, and I think it would be cool for people to hear a little bit about um, what your nursing experience has been here in the United States, and then based on that experience, um, uh, tell us what it's like to be working with a provider in El Salvador at a, a medical clinic that moves every day of the week. What's it like to set up your space so that you can see people in that setting? Okay, thanks. Um, I came to nursing kind of late in life. Uh, went back to school and my kids were all in school. Uh, and I started, my first gig was in a hospital. Um, did that for a while, but not very long. I was working something at the time they called 770s, which just did not work for me or my family. And so I went, uh, got a job actually with Aurora and worked as a float nurse uh, at various clinics. Um, mostly worked with specialists, pediatrics, OB-GYN, neurogyn, rheumatology, all that. And then I did triaging and um, so worked uh, in the clinic setting, was very comfortable with what we do in uh, El Salvador. Um, typical morning, well, uh, each nurse is uh, assigned or um, sticks with a partner provider. Uh, and I was Megan's partner and I think we made an awesome pair. Uh, she was a great, great provider and I was her nurse. Um, we would get to our location. Um, sometimes they were in pavilions like a picnic pavilion that you'd see in the US. It had a roof, uh, sometimes half walls. Uh, and then I think two of the other places we were in a church. Um, and then kind of um, emerged or flowed out of that around the church setting. Um, but what we would do in the morning, uh, I don't speak Eng or Spanish, unfortunately. Megan is much better than she thinks she is. Uh, but for the most part, we had a, a interpreter with us. So the three of us uh, would grab some of those um, stackable picnic chairs and try and find a little place in the designated area for providers. Uh, usually around a table or some hard surface, but we needed to have um, close proximity to the patient because we all needed to hear what they were saying. Um, we did try and give some sort of privacy. Uh, I think one space we had uh, curtains or, or sheets, uh, but for the most part, we, the providers were in a certain area uh, of this, these pavilions or churches um, and just tried to um, make that 
kind of our space. Um, we did some vitals in some places, and so then we needed our accoutrements for that at our space. Uh, at a couple places, we had some El Salvador nurses that were doing that uh, prior to having the patient come see us. Uh, and then the, we never did labs per se, but we could do blood sugars and dip urine or something like that. And so those supplies were in a area that we would designate that everybody had access to a shelf, another table, something like that. Um, but we did need a hard surface because every patient comes with kind of a half sheet of paper uh, that we can record vitals. Uh, Megan would put her um, diagnosis, do her assessments, um, give any um, prescriptions that the patient needed. And then they had uh, areas on this paper that had charlas or other designations of things that we thought would be helpful for patients to go see. Uh, so then we would kind of locate those uh, before we sat in our area. So we knew kind of where we were taking patients. Um, but for the most part, it was trying to get some sort of a private or semi-private area where that we could work together to help our patients. I think one of the ways I sometimes describe it, Sally, is that we're trying to run both educational and clinic spaces in like a 500 square foot area. So it's it's very different in some respects, but in other respects, it's still, you know, very personal. I'm actually glad you mentioned the word charlas. I actually, that's a Spanish word and I always kind of like the word charla. It, it's akin to uh, our word for a workshop or a time uh, to be together and learning. Uh, I'm gonna switch over to Cindy. So, uh, Cindy covers a lot of categories uh, when I think about this trip. So she's part of the long-term leadership team for this mission of healing trip, which our congregation, for example, uh, at Unity has been involved in for, I think, 18 years at this point. Uh, Cindy is part of a kind of a broad partnership that makes this uh, uh, mission of healing possible. She's a member out at Atonement Lutheran in Muskego. We've been working together for how long, Cindy? Maybe well over a We've decade. We've been working together eight years. Eight years, okay. Eight years. That is, that is yeah. awesome. And you've been a part of that all of that time. Um, so one of the, the things that we do in addition to the uh, clinic part of the trip are these things known as charlas. And um, I guess tell us a little bit about those and and both what you have to do pre-trip to make it possible and then what happens when you're actually leading one. Thank you. Um, I am by training a registered dietitian. And so eight years ago, I joined you to introduce nutrition to as a charla at your mission of healing. And we didn't really know if anybody would have any interest in talking about food or nutrition at all. Um, it turns out they did, but the very first year that I was there, one of the questions I received is, why can't I eat watermelon during my period? Mm. And that uh, kind of then uh, became a whole nother Charla area as we stopped to consider how challenging it was to deal with menstruation in a country with no garbage disposal, expensive uh, feminine hygiene products. Um, and from there, we really um, launched the next year, um, the Days for Girls reusable feminine hygiene kits. 
And I not only uh, taught nutrition, but began to teach reproductive health um, along with providing the Days for Girls kits. So those require about 10 hours per kit of sewing time. Oh. And there are a group of ladies who are right now sewing the kits that we will take next year. So that's already started. We took about 180 this year. We ran out, which that was really all we could carry, to be perfectly honest. Um, they they turn out to be wildly popular. They do last two or three years, but it's kind of an ongoing effort. Every month they recoup and they um, continue this uh, rather um, intensive process of putting together these kits for us. Um, I, over the years, have also spent a fair amount of time pulling together the educational materials that we use today. Um, not only did they have to be in Spanish, they had to be relatively low literacy and yet not insulting to an adult. And they had to be appropriate for Central America. Um, and it turns out there's a lot of work being done in Guatemala and most of that work transfers, but we don't really even use the same fruits and vegetables. Um, let alone the English to Spanish translation. So um, collecting the library that we've begun to establish is something that I just work on all the time. And before we depart is when I'm sitting there and I'm making the copies and making sure the suitcases aren't too full. Um, but for example, if we teach hand washing, sinks don't look the same in El Salvador. And you wanna have posters and graphics that look appropriate to the way people live there. So I, I would say um, it's actually a pleasure, but we work on the educational materials and the Days for Girls kits um, really all the time to get ready for Mission of Healing. Yeah, that, that really is a remarkable ministry and um, so time consumptive and yet uh, so deeply appreciated. Um, can, Say a little bit more about uh, when you do the days for girls. Uh, what are like? Um, what would you say is the pre-existing knowledge level of of say a fourteen or fifteen year old that you're talking to in comparison to maybe a fourteen or fifteen year old you'd be talking to here? I, I don't even know if you can evaluate that, but I, I guess or what do you notice as you do that? Yeah, the, the basic educational curriculums in El Salvador don't include uh, anything related to human biology. And simply opening up the flip chart with what the reproductive system looks like and what it is doing um, is something entirely new and absolutely fascinating. Um, when we run out of Days for Girls kits, the women still come and listen to the teaching, even though they know they can't get the product anymore that day. Um, so a lot of gratitude. And over the eight years that we've been doing it, when we started, it had to be such a secret. And we had to hide behind all these sheets and not let people know what we were talking about. And now we're kind of sitting anywhere and we have the flip charts open. And it seems like there's just been 
um, a much broader acceptance of our, our human biology and how we function. And we all just need to work together to, you know, as they're called days for girls, to give those days back to girls. Wow. Sally? I, I guess I would just reiterate that. I, I mean, they have the women in El Salvador have the same issues as as women here in the United States, but they don't have access to resources and information, um, and and that that's a really difficult thing. So, um, maybe we'll circle back to some of that, but uh, haven't met Eric and Megan yet, so I'll uh, move on to Eric. Uh, so, Eric, you were in our counseling area. You've been on on this trip before. Um, I think you would say you're not uh, particularly fluent in Spanish, and yet here you are uh, sitting with people and talking about what's going on in their lives. How, how does that How does that work? Well, first, thank you for saying I'm not uh, exceptionally fluent in Spanish, because the truth is I don't know a lick of Spanish, <laughs> but uh, that was very kind of you. At least I could do it. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, I would say some of the common themes that I see in counseling um, with some of the folks from El Salvador are just lack of resources. You know, they um, really struggle with... Um, not having, uh, maybe having one family member that has brings income into the home or some family members that don't have any income and rely um, on people, other people for support. And so that can cause a lot of stress in people's lives. They, um, you know, struggle with not knowing if they're gonna be able to, to have enough to um, feed their kids and things like that. And so um, what we talk about is just um, you know, what gives them hope, what gives them strength. And so many people um, really have such strong faith. And I think they're very uh, resilient. I feel like um, even though they have many struggles, that they believe that their life is going to get better. They have faith that their life is going to get better and, and they rely on, on God to provide. And it's, it's really powerful to uh, listen to people when they talk about that. Um, and it's not to diminish the struggles that they have, but they also just have lots of hope and um, uh, faith that things will get better. I think some of the other issues um, in El Salvador is um, the, the man is definitely the, the head of the household. And um, sometimes with lack of employment, or some folks struggle with abuse issues of, of alcohol or drugs. Um, we can, a lot of the women in El Salvador have to deal with some of the, the anger uh, issues of, of the men that they live with. And so just talking to them about um, how they cope in those situations and trying to find ways that they can be safe um, if they do notice, um, if there are certain times where they know that their husband is anger, where can they go to be safe? Um, and so those are some of the other things that, that we see a lot. And I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, there's a lot of losses that people have had in, in El Salvador. Many of the family members um, have lost multiple family members, either, um, you know, health care isn't uh, as, as good as it is here in the U.S. And so what may be treated pretty easily here, somebody could possibly die over in El Salvador if they don't get the right treatment. Um, plus the, the gang violence, um, people have lost um, loved ones due to gang violence and um, the, the traffic system in El Salvador, I think they probably have multiple um, deaths due to, to traffic accidents as well. 
Um, so just allowing people to kind of process their grief, um, uh, be able to talk about their loved ones, I think does a lot for folks. Tell us just a little bit, I think probably your area more than any would depend on the, the translators we work with. How do you get yes. a kind of a flow when you're working with a translator and somebody's talking about something like uh, a grief? Yeah, we have really great translators. And as I said earlier, I really rely on them pretty heavily. Um, and, you know, really just having the person that's um, wanting to talk about the issue, they'll, they'll um, talk and um, the, the, the translator will then uh, interpret for me and then I will um, kind of offer my suggestions and advice. And a lot of times because our interpreters know the culture so well, they really help us in how to say things. And so I rely really heavily on the translators to, to help with some of the cultural barriers that I have because I don't live there and don't know some of the cultural norms. And so I think all of us rely pretty heavily on, on our translators for that as well. I should say, as I introduce this, that um, to, to give you as a listener a little fuller picture of this. So the Mission of Healing is a cooperative venture between several churches here. So Atonement, Unity, uh, Adina Lutheran in Minnesota, um, and the Salvadorian Lutheran Synod in El Salvador. And we work for months in advance to schedule uh, a clinic each day in one of four uh, church communities, um, each of which is probably within 90 minutes of San Salvador, the, the capital of the country. And so each day, our group will travel to a community where we're met by members of that faith community, as well as people from the Salvadorian Lutheran Synod, uh, who help us. Uh, both run the, the clinic and the charlas. Uh, they also handle the logistics, which can include uh, not just having the chairs and tables, but frequently setting up uh, tarps to create shaded uh, areas. Um, so we have a little more space to work with because of that. Uh, they feed us really well and, um, you know, watch out for us in terms of uh, as we watch out for each other is just making sure people stay hydrated and um, in heat that we're not super used to, especially in the winter, uh, kind of keep us fresh in the middle of all of that. So that's uh, a kind of a outline of how a mission of healing works. Um, each year, each place is different. And I think um, uh, each person's experience is a little different. Megan, uh, you were on the trip for the first time. You're you're a provider. You work in a specialty area, primarily cardiac in this country, and now suddenly you're 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 being a primary care provider, kind of seeing anything mm -hmm. that comes at you. Uh, was that daunting or was that kind of exciting? Um, both, but mostly daunting. Um, that was definitely most worried about um, because I don't have a lot of experience in primary care or pediatrics, women's health. Um, and I quickly realized in the, like very soon into the first day that that really didn't matter. Um, the Salvadorans have such a warm and um, non, uh, non-intimidating demeanor. And um, as Sally mentioned, she and I worked together and I felt so supported by her and her experience. And between the two of us, I felt like 
we could figure things out. Um, we also had the support of the other teams that were there. And so sometimes with the pediatric patient, um, we would go over and talk to Mike Gutzite or um, Sean um, Fabry, who um, has been on the trip before and is an internal medicine resident. We could go over and ask him. Um, but I will say you realize, um, you know more than you think you do, but also you realize how a little can go such a long way. And um, for some of these people, even just having someone to listen to them, or even when we weren't exactly sure um, you know, what or what we do for them, or maybe we really couldn't do much for them at all, they were so appreciative. Um, and you really did feel like you made a difference. And so I, as each day one as each patient came, um, or the kind of not knowing what was going to come next, or what that next person was going to bring you did become more exciting, because you knew um, that you could figure it out. And um, that all at that together, we could, we could help them. Um, and even if in the medical setting, we couldn't all of those other charlas that we had, it was so great to be able to say, we think you would benefit from talking to nutrition. We think you would benefit from women's health, counseling, um, fluoride, the um, glasses. There were just so physical therapy. There were so many um, ways that we could help them. And so, um, yes, it was really, um, really cool to realize that um, even if I didn't have experience that you could um, make, be a part of it and uh, figure it out for them. So, yes. Yeah, as you were talking, I, I kind of thought sometimes it almost makes me a little sad on the trip in that we take someone like you who's on it for the first time and and you you do recognize how how uh, um, appreciative and and helpful uh, the Salvadorans are and will frequently say it's so different than and here in the U.S., where people are frequently impatient and, you know, actually get angry at you, and it's kind of like, ooh, ouch, that that hurts a little bit to to hear that that's our experience here. And and you know, from a faith perspective, we always have lots of chances to give each other grace, and um, maybe that's one thing when we've been there, we learn to bring back with us a little bit. Um, physically. Uh, Erica, so we've talked about this a little bit already, but again, uh, I'm thinking of space setup uh, for trying to have a significant discussion with somebody. Uh, I remember remember the first day you were sitting in an alley on uh, three chairs, uh, you and the person you were talking to and the translator. Uh, occasionally cars needed to come through. Tell us about how you make functional space uh, for counseling with somebody. Yeah, thanks. Good question. Uh, we would kind of lay look at the lay of the land of where we were going and try to find uh, a quiet place. I remember it was recommended the first day in Cordero de Dios that we stay inside the church, and it echoed pretty loudly in there. And I thought, you know, for counseling, that would be a tough thing. So we did find an, an alley, and um, we found some, some chairs to use, although I think um, Cindy and I had to battle a few times over, over chairs because <laughs> whichever group uh, had more people, we had to kind of fight for each other to, to have enough space for people to sit. Um, but you really just kind of look for a place, um, 
that you can uh, be that it's quiet enough and you just kind of make do with whatever. I think uh, the third day um, it, we were really pretty packed in all of us. There was a lot of groups in the um, back area, this little um, and behind the church and trying to find space where all of us could meet. And I remember the place that we chose was right next to the, to the grill where they were making pupusas. <laughs> and I thought, well, we're going to have to move away from this a little bit because it was already pretty hot that day. And so we just moved a little bit away. But uh, it, it's a little challenging, but you make do and it's fun. And, and like you said, the, the people of El Salvador, they are just appreciative just to be able to, to meet with us. And so, you know, the least we can do is just to um, provide that positive experience for them as well. And I'm just going to uh, kind of tell a story. I know I shared this at one of our evening um, kind of rehash of the day um, after one of our, our clinics, but quintessential uh, El Salvadorian uh, medicine. Uh, I We were in um, a, an area where the, all the providers were kind of lined up on either side of a very thin aisle that we were seeing people around these little tables. And the aisle was the only way to get to the back portion of the space we were in to get to some of the other charlas. No windows, kind of like a picnic pavilion, half walls. And I, um, there was a lot of uh, unattached dogs that are in um, El Salvador who are, make themselves very welcome wherever they go. Uh, and I had to get up and go do something that prompted me to have to walk up this aisle. And I'm looking around and there are like five dogs that are either under the tables or that you have to step over in order to get back to wherever I was going. And because it's outside and it's a rural community, there are lots of crowing roosters during the day. Uh, and then because we're all kind of cramped in and people are you know, doing their thing and very concentrated, you can, if you try, hear what's going on. And I'm kind of weaving my way through the island the Roosters are crowing and I'm stepping over the dogs and I, I hear uh, another wonderful participant doing some uh, days for girls things and she's saying you do not have to have sexual relations with anyone that you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> crowing chickens and walking over the dogs. And I thought, this is El Salvador. We are doing really good things here um, in a very special place, but very different than here. It It is a really special place. I, uh, I've still have always been disappointed, Sally. One year we were uh, giving communion at a church service and a dog got in line and I actually had a, uh, something I had in my pocket that could have been a treat, and I was kind of looking forward to including the dog in, in the communion serving, but right at the last minute, the dog got out of line, and I never got to do it, but maybe someday I'll get that chance at a future communion. They would have thought that was just perfect, too. <laughs> a good sharing of the, of the food. Um, you know, each place was like super memorable and in, in different ways and and in other ways you know it, it, you know every day was could also be kind of average megan when uh, was there any of the four places we went to did any place kind of stick out to you and if so why yes um like you said each place is so special and i do um yes i so enjoyed each of them and they were all so different um but the one that 
just jumps out in my mind first is where we were on Wednesday, the third day, which was um, Galilea. Um, there was just, I, the energy was so high. Um, I like the way I describe it is there just was, I felt like um, maybe because of the layout, I think this is actually the day that Eric was describing that a lot of the charlas were in the behind. And so for everyone to get through to those, they had to the church and where the providers were and the kids which john <laughs> spent a lot of time with kids were like running back and through it um and the patients um like for a reason that this the way of this layout they just were kind of standing right there ready to be the next one and almost like jumping you know um like right behind the, the next person they just had so much enthusiasm and so energy and it's almost hard to describe um like i said i just describe it as they're just so excited to have us there. And it's almost like they, um, you know, they've, you could tell they've been coming and they just wanted to make the most of it and get in and see the people, see who they wanted to see and get to all the stations. And um, the kids said it, it was just really cool. You just really felt um, how much it meant to them that we were there, how excited um, and how, um, yeah, a- appreciative they were that we were there. Yeah. yeah, that was, that was, I do remember that day because, uh, where we were running. So, uh, another part of the, the mission of healing is that we provide a space for kids to hang out while their parents or older siblings are at a charla or seeing, uh, one of the medical stations. And that particular day we were running the kids games in an area where they also stored, um, concrete uh pre-mix. and so the kids loved jumping on those bags and so all day there was just like puffs of concrete dust going everywhere uh finally uh carrie and i who were in there and occurred to us maybe we should put masks on and that was that was helpful as we got into the afternoon part of the of the trip um cindy uh um what do you think the experience when you when when you think of all the people you saw? Um, tell us a little bit how you imagine it would be seen through their eyes. What what do you think uh, this clinic looks like to them as they as they come? Um, you know, I I was pondering a little bit our our theme of mourning and. Although it seemed that we got up awfully early from our air-conditioned rooms, our showers that we complained weren't hot enough, ate a beautiful breakfast, we still didn't hardly get to these rural churches before there were packs of people waiting for us. And I, I always try to go up when I get there and in my very limited Spanish, say, hello, how are you? I remember you. Um, but they're waiting for us so patiently. And I think we don't understand what it's like to be one of so many poor people. Okay. Um, Keep going, Cindy. Yeah. And uh, they they waited for us so patiently. Um and one thing that uh, Eric and the people back in the Charles experiences, we don't get to start our mornings quite as early as the providers do. We have to wait until the providers have processed their first batch. 
Um, and so we decided this year that we would take a puppet show out to the people who were waiting. And we had a puppet show on hand washing uh, with a little bacteria puppet running around. And for some reason, we seemed to be a huge hit. Um, we had them in the palm of our hands. I mean, that's really all I can say. I want you all to know that I have shown up in social media with pictures of that puppet. Um, and I'm probably now branded with that puppet, but I think these people are really hungering for that one special moment when they make a one-to-one -one contact with us and they become more than another one of the many, many poor people who are in these areas of El Salvador. Um, they want that special moment. And to me, those moments are when the Holy Spirit is most present. Um, and I love and I look for, and I've kind of grown to foster those moments. And they may be brief, but we know when they happen. And I think they are really there to get that from us far more than the actual healthcare or any products that we can provide to them. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful description. And I, I think the the flip blessing back to us is, is kind of the same that I, I think, at least for me, uh, way back in the day, I often assumed that, um, I was bringing something to them and we do, I, I think we bring things of great value, but wow, they, they, um, they bless us with their, I mean, they care for us and, and, you know, also make time for us. And that's a great blessing in return. Um, it's, it's awesome to be a special person to them too. Um, uh, you know, we're, I, I think we're at the point where, um, we're almost ready to, to end, but Sally, I, I'm going to just come back to you for maybe just a 30-second interlude on uh, medically, what was kind of like the most common thing uh, you and the other uh, people in the medical areas saw during the week? Well, we did see a lot of primary care issues. I mean, El Salvador people have the same issues as we do. There was a lot of women's health um issues. Uh, and I think no different than what we have uh, here at home. Um, but they don't have the education and they also didn't get or don't have access to the resources uh, that they need. Um, and that's something that we we do well with education. And, and I think we'll do better in in the years to come, just doing simple and offering simple uh, things that we can give women uh, for prescriptions or help um, with a lot of those women's issues. Um, yep, yep. And I, I, I'm glad you phrased it that way and that we've been doing this trip for a while and wow, uh, we can do it so much better, we can do more. Um, our, our Salvadoran partners get stronger all the time in, in their ability to keep following up with people after we leave. Uh, so kind of the, the sky's the limit. And, and one of the things that's good about the trip is, I appreciate that people are, are honest, you know, within our travel group and our partners there of saying, you know, we didn't do that very well, we can, we can get better at that. And it's just always a work in progress. It's always a people thing, though, and I think that's a good place for us to end. Um, 
maybe maybe the order will go in as how about Cindy, Eric, Sally, Megan, and uh, I'm hoping each of you can can kind of end this conversation with maybe one person or interaction that was just really meaningful or special to you and that uh, kind of stays with your heart uh, long after we've returned. So um, that's that's a challenging and a special one to to answer. Cindy, you feel up to going first on that one? I do. And I think my uh, particular client ties in very well with what you have just said. Um, this lovely lady named Vilma walked up to me and sat down and she was just grinning from ear to ear, which to me was a sign I had talked to her once before. And uh, she goes, look, she said, my blood sugar today was 130. And okay, for those of you who know numbers, ah, this wasn't fasting. It's maybe questionable, but it's not too bad. She said, last year, when you talked to me, it was over 300. Whoa. Whoa. She went from 300 to 130 in one year, and she had lost 30 pounds over the year. So she and I just made a huge banner and took our picture, you know, saying, I lost 30 pounds and my blood sugar is 130. It was, it was 300 a year ago. And we took pictures and we celebrated. But she went on to share the story of after she saw us in 2022, um, the health promoter got her into a local physician where she is allotted a five minute appointment, which is very common for healthcare in El Salvador, five minutes for new diabetes, right? Um, but she got metformin, she got a little bit more teaching, the health, the local health promoter followed up with her and look where she was a year later. What she said to me is, is she said, what I really valued is, and it was Dr. Sean, Dr. Sean and you both talked to me and you listened to what I wanted to say and you spent time with me, more time than I could ever get in El Salvador. Now we can't be her primary healthcare provider, but we did provide her with something. And I think we started her on a pathway that had to give her many, many more years of healthful, productive life. Wow. So that's my patient story. That is an incredible story. How very cool. Any, any place in the world, if you told that story, that would be an awesome story. Thanks, Cindy. Um, they don't all have to be that spectacular, but what do you what are you thinking, Eric? Well, um, Janice Johnson is a licensed therapist from our church that's been on the trip before. And a couple of years ago, she had the idea of bringing down rocks from Lake Michigan that she had um, has painted and, and glazed. And the rock is a symbol of something that they can remember um, to take with them. You know, it could be either when you're feeling stressed, remember to relax and do deep breathing exercises or um, remember that you're never alone, that God is with you. And this rock is a reminder of that. So the rock can mean different things for different people. Um, and so I met with a woman who said to me, she said, you know, you look familiar to me. You, uh, have you been here before? And I said, yeah, I was here five years ago. And she said, I still have the rock wow. that you gave me. So, you know, 
that was pretty powerful. What what did you say back to her when she said that? I said, um, I'm, I'm glad that it was helpful for you. And, um, you know, just a, a, a reminder for, for all of us that we're all connected. So. I, I asked almost thinking that's one of those moments where you're just kind of speechless, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. To be remembered and to be remembered with something that they still associate with something good in their lives. That's yeah. a very, very cool. Hey, Sally, how about you? Interaction or person that kind of sticks with you? Well, there's a whole lot of people that I interacted with patients that are going to bring me back to El Salvador. But the thing that think that um, struck me the most is this. Um, we, uh, Eric and I have been part of Unity Cross of Life for many years. Our kids grew up very involved in the youth group, and then by default, so did we. Uh, went on a whole bunch of Bounty Waters trips, ski trips, caving trips, you name it. Um, but so we, we grew to learn a lot of youth. Um, and a lot of the people that came on this trip were those youth. They've grown into these fabulous adults who have a heart for this faith community, a heart for service, um, took their vacation to come and be part of this trip. And they are just such awesome people. They've turned out their... Uh, to me, that was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, Sally. And that's a nice lead into Megan, who uh, is one of those people. And yes, she is. It was uh, awesome to have you on the trip, Megan. What's What sticks with you? Yeah, um, Sally, you just kind of brought me to tears. And my story is about someone that brought us to tears. Um, there was a patient that Sally and I saw this was right after lunch. So not in the morning, but we recognized her from lunch and um, we talked a little bit about um, where they were cooking and um, making food, but every day they gave us a mid morning snack and then also lunch. And these meals were no joke. Your plate was full to the brim and they were asking if you wanted more and they had more ready for you if you wanted it. Um, uh, but after lunch, we recognized the this woman that had helped make lunch, and we just told her you and um, you know it was delicious. And she was how much it meant to her um, that she could for us, meant to her that we were could just tell she was so proud um, and also was just so appreciative of us. And I do think it was one of those moments that Cindy was describing earlier, where you just human connection and it was there we all felt it you could feel the holy spirit and it really was just beautiful and it's a vision i will have ever it just in the busyness and the all the i don't know all the things of our life right, that can bring me back right away. um what i experienced they taught us and as you said john earlier just um they gave us so much more than anything brought there or anything we gave them and um i'm so grateful for that yeah all of you those are great stories and so um well well described i think i think for me personally i'm always struck by um how in, intense our scheduling is in our culture 
it's not necessarily that way in El Salvador. And uh, I think that's mostly a, a blessing and, and something uh, I always try and learn from. I just always feel like I have more time to devote to people when I'm there. And, and I think that's because they devote more time uh, to people. And, you know, each culture is different. Each situation is different. But I, I just super appreciate that when I'm there. And it's, it's part of the gift from there that I try and uh, live within um, the rest of the year. Uh, just a greater appreciation for taking time uh, for the people in our lives. Um, I'm so thankful on behalf of all of our congregations that the four of you uh, took time to be in El Salvador, uh, not just to be there, but to plan for it and, and to be a part of this conversation. Uh, for those of you who are listening in, thank you. I hope this gave you a little flavor of what uh, this particular uh, experience in El Salvador was like uh, for us and our partners there. Uh, we'll do two more of these podcasts over the next month, month and a half, and we're going to kind of continue to the clock. Uh, today was mornings and kind of getting the start in clinics. Uh, we'll do afternoons and we'll do evenings uh, uh, circling into the next day as well in some coming podcasts. Uh, thanks for having been a part of Belief Beat, and uh, we appreciate uh, your attentiveness and your ongoing prayerful support especially of the people of El Salvador and our work together in that place. Thanks for having been a part of this. Goodbye for now.